I know, John, we're going to chat about coming up with instructor excellence, creating a drill you can use to help you become a better cuer and connect with your students and be more creative in whatever programming or choreography you're going to offer. So it, it offers two elements, cueing and creativity. This is Amy, the Senior Group Fitness Instructor at the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Are you looking for a spark of inspiration to bring to your next class? Find us at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. I'm John McGowan, your host, and I'd love to hear from you. My email, john at indoorcycleinstructor.com. What follows is an interview with Sarah Cooperman, who is the founder of the SCW Fitness Conventions. She's got some interesting ideas on how you can more effectively cue and communicate with your class. But before I get to her, these free podcasts are sponsored by Cycling Fusion, and there's a bigger connection with Cycling Fusion than normal. I'm going to introduce the senior group fitness instructor in our family, Amy, and she's got something neat to tell you that she was involved with here last week. So welcome, Amy. Thank you, John. Hi, everybody. So Amy, tell everybody what you were doing with Cycling Fusion. I flew into Pittsburgh on early, early Monday morning, and those of you that know me, I'm not really an early morning person, but I was this week. I went out to Cycling Fusion and met Jean Nacy there. Laura from the office picked me up. And both Monday and Tuesday night, I filmed two 30-minute classes, two 45-minute classes, and a 60-minute class to help him build his video library for Cycling Fusion. All right. And what is the purpose of the videos? For gyms, small studios that take on the Cycling Fusion program, what's really, really cool about this is, for example, if a gym member or a studio member comes in and would like to do a class at an oddball time, let's say 1.45 in the afternoon, obviously that's not a great class time, they can go to the video library and download a class of their choice. They can choose from a number of different classes, and this the classes that I filmed with Gene and his crew during that time period will just be part of that video library that then this person could choose from. So the whole intent is to try to make use of these big, fancy, expensive studios when there's not a scheduled class. Right. So the downtime. They want to go in and they want to use these bikes, but they need some instruction. We all know that it's kind of boring to go in and just ride, and we could do that any old time, and why group fitness as a plan will never die. So this way they can go in and have a group experience, but without an instructor and without the gym or the small studio having to pay for one. Okay, so they're not envisioning some virtual studio where there's never an instructor. No, no, this wouldn't take the place of us good thing, you guys. But we'll just fill in those time spots where someone really wants to ride and they'd like a group experience, but it doesn't make sense to have a, a physical instructor there because there's one person. Cool. All right. Any idea when your video is going to be available for us to see? I don't know. I'll have to check with Gene and we'll let you know. Okay. Well, you all be the first to know. So what comes up next is my interview with Sarah Cooperman, and I hope you enjoy it. Sarah, welcome to the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. 
Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you, John. And have you ever been interviewed on an internet radio show before? Actually, I have. Oh, really? Tell tell me about it. Well, it's really weird because you don't you don't you're not looking at a person. And <laughs> I've done so many live presentations, and I've done a lot of TV, which was kind of weird because you just kind of look at a camera and pretend it's your mother or something. But when you're just staring at a computer screen, talking to yourself, and people are walking by your office, it's a little awkward. Okay. <laughs> well, just, just knowing what you do and how well you do it, I'm going to guess you're going to do an excellent job. You have these mania conventions. They're, they seem to be wildly successful. Tell me just a real quick you know, how you got started with it. Believe it or not, 25 years ago is when I started doing workshops. I was about 13 years old. Ha, ha, ha. I was, <laughs> I was, I think I was still, was I still in law school? I might have still been in law. No, I would have graduated already. And I knew I wanted to own a business rather than practice law. And I actually went to an idea convention, and it was in Chicago, and I was all excited about it. I thought it was fantastic. And I asked them, when, when are you coming back to Chicago? Are you coming back next year? And they said, no, our model is to travel around the USA. And I said, we need an annual event. And that's where I got the idea of doing an annual event in different regions of the country. And so we started by doing conferences in Chicago. We expanded to Atlanta, basically because my friend had a t-shirt shop there and everybody who came into the store was really fit. And I thought, oh, it was very scientific. And I thought, I'll just do an event here. So we picked Atlanta, the next venue, and then we went to Dallas. Now we have them in Philadelphia and like you said, Boston and San Francisco and Orlando. It's really nice because you feel really connected to the people when you go back annually. And different parts of the country want different things and need different things. What I love most about the Internet is the research that I can do on it. There was a presentation that you have on your site. And as I was watching it, first I recognized that you're, you're, you're a very engaging presenter. But the content that you were delivering, all of a sudden I thought, wow, this is something I think that the instructors that listen to this podcast would have interested in. You kind of clued me in that you came up with this guaranteeing instructor excellence for your facility, the presentation you do, and specifically within that presentation, uh, drills to help us cue and be creative grew out of a, what you call it, a learning disability that you had? Yeah. What do they say? You're biggest disabilities that create your most, the greatest opportunities. When I was in law school, well, especially in law school, but frankly, throughout all of my academic endeavors, I have a difficult time memorizing things and I invert stuff. Like if you ever see me at an airport, I will check my plane ticket like five times because I will invariably miss a flight because the flight was at 135 and I thought it was 153. I invert letters and I invert numbers and it's a form of dyslexia. And I also have a difficult time reading. I have, I guess it's called regressive eye movement. Now I read kind of in clumps like um, Evelyn Wood and that's how I made it through Cambridge and, and I went to Cambridge University in England and I also went to Washington University law school. So I'm not stupid. I just, I, I don't learn the same way a lot of other people do. So I've got what I, I came up with this little trick and I would use a lot of mnemonics, which means you just come up with the first letter of the word and you just spell a different word. Like when I'm looking and I know John, we're going to chat about 
coming up with instructor excellence, creating a drill you can use to help you become a better cure and connect with your students and be more creative in whatever programming or choreography you're going to offer. So it, it offers two elements, cueing and creativity. And it's a drill, and it's D-R-I-L-L. And you can change the direction of a move or, or an action. You can change the rhythm of the move. You can change the intensity of a move. You can change the focus of the lever, and you can change the focus of the length of the move. So it's D, direction, R, rhythm, I, intensity, L, lever, L, length. So for me, it could be Friday afternoon. I've taught like five classes that week. Three are my regular classes. Two have been a sub. And I get this frantic phone call at three in the afternoon saying, can you teach the 530 class? And I'm thinking, I am so brain dead. I'm exhausted from work. I have way too many children. I have four children. So I have like way too many children, you know, the husband, the office, the classes I've taught. I can't come up with anything new. And if you're bored yourself, that's the worst because that's translatable. You know, they can oh, absolutely. They can kind of, yeah, I feel like they can smell my boredom, you know, the minute I walk in the room. That's kind of how I use the drill because if I want to take a move, a movement. And I'm not, you know, I've taken a lot of cycle classes. My friend Connie teaches cycle and I love it. I've taken like RPM classes and Schwinn classes and I take a lot of different programming. I've taken Real Rider. I love Real Rider with, you know, the weight bearing, you lean. It's really kind of cool. But it's not per se, you know, you don't do a grapevine. You don't do no. knee lifts and lunges, you know what <laughs> <No>. I mean? <laughs> or if you do, it's not really appropriate. <laughs> it's like... So, but you can look at it, you can say, I can change the direction of the move. Am I going up this hill? Am I going down this hill? Am I coasting? Am I going around the turn? So you can change the direction of a move. You can change the rhythm of the move. You can almost hear the road, the click of the wheel on the on the road and how fast you're going and, and the RPMs, the revolutions per minute that you're utilizing. So you can change a rhythm of a move. You can change the intensity of the move by feeling like you're really driving uphill or you're really squeaking around or the intensity meaning I've heard instructors repeatedly say someone's right on your tail. They're just about to pass you. Don't let them pass you. Lever. There's some cycle programs that will actually focus on focus on pressing with your right leg, your right leg, your right leg. Now focus on your left leg, your left leg, your left leg, or lifting and lifting and lifting. Or you can change the length of the move or the length of the stride. Like we're we're going for a real long, you know, you're gonna you're riding down the hill and it's a it's a real long, you're going for a long movement here. But the length of the movement can also be adjusted. So I like how direction, rhythm, intensity, lever, length can help you be more creative with your movements. And if any of you guys do personal training, because a lot of a lot of cyclists will also be personal trainers, you can change the direction of how you toss the medicine ball. You can take the change the rhythm of the medicine ball toss so that it's much faster. You can change the intensity of it by let's just go to a heavier ball. Okay? You can change the lever that, okay, we're gonna focus and catch the ball lower. Now we're going to catch the ball higher. Now we're going to catch the ball lower. You can change the length that we're going to do 10 heavy ones, five lighter ones, two lighter ones, or reverse it and do two heavy tosses, four 
a lighter tosses, and then 15 of the lightest toss out there. So you can use that drill to help you be creative. If you're a personal trainer, a group exercise instructor, a cycle instructor, even the same movement can take on a different flavor. You're really using this as kind of a to cue yourself, literally, to come up with something new. Okay, and rather than say, "What am I going to do?" you broke it down into five components that says, "Okay, what am I going to change and do a little differently on this component, the direction or the rhythm part?" Or it's yeah, it's interesting to to, to try to, to to create a a structure to be creative from. Right, and to also, as I was saying, like get rid of that boredom smell. It's a quick shot of deodorant, you know. It's just kind of, or fresh air that makes you think in a different in a different manner. And then the other thing I always think of is I became because of because of my learning disability. I had to become very sensitive at a young age. I, I just was kind of forced to become sensitive at a young age of people who learn differently. Because here I was, I was probably, I mean, they didn't categorize people this way, but I probably was an ADD kid, and they don't let me go to recess. I got to go to reading lab and watch this stupid thing go across the screen and try to, they were trying to, like, frankly, train the regressive eye movement out of me. So make my eyes look left to, to right, left to right, and it just... It wasn't working. So I think people learn differently. So when I finally learned to read by just, I look at a paragraph, I pick it up, I move on. People learn differently. It doesn't mean somebody's stupid or smart. It's just they all learn differently. They all have their different gifts that they're going to give the world. And I look at that when I get into my classroom and I'll be teaching. I teach a choreograph program and I'll see somebody who's struggling with the movement pattern. And, I, and I'm trying to tell them, you know, use your right foot, lean to the right, go towards the door. I'm trying to give them a million different cues to get them to do what I'm doing instead of they're in their own land doing their own thing. And then at one moment, it's like with a snap of a finger, it's like the ceiling in the group exercise studio has opened up, you know, God shone down on this person. And suddenly she looks at me and she smiles and has the movement perfectly. And it's not like it's not like the ceiling opened up and somebody shot this body of knowledge into her brain. She got it. Something I said, some physical cue I gave, something I did got her to join the group, join the party. And so I think that the reason people go to group activities, the reason people go to a cycle class is because they don't want to just sit on a bike and go nowhere. You know, they don't want to just go and and be alone. They want to be involved in a group and we want to feel that they connect. And so I think of how am I going to cue differently? Because we all get caught in the same words over and over again. That was great. That was great. That was one more, four more, four more, four more. <laughs> right. You know, and I right. Now that's all. Yourself. That's always a battle, and we hear that constantly from our readers and listeners. That help us with something new to say. New to say, and you know, and it's very similar. I find cycle and actually yoga very similar because you're doing the same movements, and you just you got to freshen it up. So what I think of is I use my same drill: the direction, rhythm, intensity, lever, length. D direction, and I think of that and I go, 
I gotta I gotta verbalize this by the direction. Okay, everybody, we're gonna we're gonna focus with the foot that's closest to the door. Okay, we're gonna focus. We're gonna we're gonna lean a little bit more. We're gonna go into the wind. There's so many different ways to direct the same cue. And I always think, how do people hear? Like policemen are going to hear direction. They're going to hear go forward, go backward, go go right, go left. Musicians are going to hear the rhythm of the music. And I'm not talking about like you're going to get a ton of musicians in your class. I don't think that's true. But you're going to get something that may someone that maybe is involved with their with their their school choir or their church choir or in their off time plays the guitar. So people have different attributes. So if you can cue them by maybe the musicians hear the rhythm, the police hear the direction, psychotherapists or someone that tends to be very empathetic will hear the intensity of the moves and that will drive them to perform um, the exercise with greater intensity and, and verve and help them connect with the program in the class and, and with you. And then lawyers tend to hear levers. Lawyers tend to hear uh, like legs and arms and, and forward and back and they tend to cut things up into pieces. Accountants hear length. You know, we're going to do this for one more minute. We're going to do this for 30 more seconds. We're going to do five more, four more, three more, two more. They love the numbers. So sometimes using the drill again, the direction, rhythm, intensity, lever, length, can help you actually cue and connect better with your students. So it can help with the creativity element of it. And it can help with the um, with the cueing or the connection element of it. An instructor needs to really be cognizant of all five of those components to be effective, though, don't they? Right, and they have to realize that also different people are going to connect with things different different days, and that's kind of just the way it is. You know, a lot of times I think, what is our real reason for cueing? The first thing I always think about it's to get safety or control over the class. Like, I just want to give them a safe word, a safe, you know, you hear the term safe and effective. Mm-hmm. But how do we give them an effective workout? The way we give them an effective workout is to make sure they're, they're burning calories and they're getting results from the program. So it's got to be safe, but it also has to be, you know, that effective. So um, it helps develop group dynamics if you're cueing properly. It, you can get more out of your clients. You know, just one more. Come on, come with me. That's why they're there. People come to the classroom because they want a leader. They want someone to tell them what to do. Be that person. <laughs> um, and students aren't mind readers. They can't just watch you and do what you do. It's really funny. Some people can physically look at a person's body and pick up everything that, they, that they're doing. Like in aqua aerobics, a lot of times if you're teaching from the deck, you just show them what to do because there's so much noise in the pool from kids screaming in the shallow end and the lap swimmers splashing behind them and, and the high ceilings and the aluminum, you know, aluminum ceilings and, and cement walls. You've just got to show them what to do. But even with that, you have to think of different ways. Use your fingers, you know, four more, three more, two more. Turn your head to show them which way to go. Make a fist to tell them that give you more power. So it's not just thinking of the verbalizations, but you can also give them physical demonstration of what they can do. And hopefully by doing that, you can create a feeling of success and accomplishment and completion with your group so that they feel like, 
they've accomplished something when they go to class. I love the idea that cueing really enhances you as an instructor, them as a student, and the whole idea of the group dynamics. Do you find people tend to cue based on the personality type that they are? You know, like seeks like. You know, I'm I'm a mom. I've got four kids. I felt like for a decade I was pregnant. Okay, I was all, I was I was pregnant or lactating for ten years, and that's just who I was. And you tend to attract those people to your group. But the best instructors, the best instructors have a real diversity of clientele because it's it's about being it's about growing your demographic. You know, if you're if you're teaching at nine thirty in the morning, I, I'm going to tell you, you're probably going to get a ton of soccer moms. You might get a, you never know who else you might get in that group. But at 5.30 at night or at 6.30 at night, you know you can take your best instructor and you can almost put them any time of the day and they will build that group. And they will be able to get those people on the fringes. They will be able to attract and speak to different demographics. And that's what we need to think. We need to get out of our minivans, at least for me. I need to get out of my minivan. And I'm not a soccer mom. I'm a hockey mom, which makes me the worst kind of mom ever, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. You, you got to get out of that, and you got to look around your room and see who's in your room and speak their language. Exactly. All right. Now, when is your next conference? Our next conference is Philadelphia Mania. It's February 25th through 27th. We have a great special going on. We're very excited. We're doing buy two videos, get one free. We're doing buy one piece of clothes, get your second one free. We're doing buy one home study or something and get the second one for free. I I feel like I'm like free. That was our buzzword this morning. So I've been pounding that in. But we're in Philadelphia and it's February 25th through 27th. And we've extended the deadline. So if people still want to pay that, we do a $199 three full days, 22 CEC hours from a multitude of organizations. And we're hoping to get you, John, to come and present for us. So, hint, hint. <laughs> well, we'd, we'd love to, or maybe get Jennifer to come out there. You, d- you do have a number of cycling-specific sessions in there. Tell, tell me, who are your, who is presenting at your conferences currently? The first one that always comes to mind, and actually I got certified by Jay Blonick, um, and the Schwinn Cycling Group. They are one of our longest standing sponsors, and um, we absolutely love them. And the unique thing about what they do is every single year they come up with brand new sessions, and that's really cool. And then we were, we indoor cycling, which works with Livestrong and works with the cranking program, is coming as well. And I don't know if you've ever done cranking, but um, I had a knee injury. And I really, this was before they told me I could get back on the bike. I did cranking. And the place that I felt it the most was not just in my arms. It was completely through my core, my abs. It was great. So we have cranking. We have the indoor cycling. And I'm in love with the real rider. And it's really taken the events kind of by storm because it is, you know, everybody loves cycle. Everybody loves it. And it's just, it creates such a... um, a different dimension. Yeah, we've got almost 30 different cycle sessions at the conference because we have two rooms going simultaneously and sometimes three when you add in the cranking programs. Wow. 
Yeah, no, I'll have to get out there. Again, uh, Amy's been to some, but I have yet to participate in one. Okay. Sarah, when somebody wants more information, where would they get it? They can go to scwfitness.com. That's S like Sarah, C like city, W like workout, scwfitness.com. You can just go online and you'll see we've got California Mania up there. That's the end of March, March 25th through 27th. That's a huge show for us. And we've got Philly up there already. Florida's going up next week. Florida Mania is May 13th through 15th. And that one we're very excited about, too. So you can just go to scwfitness.com or you can call 877-SCW-FIT, F-I-T-T. And I don't know, operators are standing by. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's there. Somebody's there to wait to do it. Okay. Well, you know, Sarah, this was fun and I appreciated the input. My question to my listeners is, would it make sense for myself or Jennifer Sage or some of our other contributors to participate at one of the many events? We'd love your feedback. And you would be able to either email me, john at indoorcycleinstructor.com, or you can leave a comment on the post where this where you'll find this podcast. Sarah Cooperman, SCW Fitness, the Maniac Conventions, thanks for joining me today. Wonderful to be here. Thank you, John, for including me. Oh, you're very welcome. And hopefully I'll get the chance to meet you for real sometime. <laughs> live and in person <laughs> instead of talking to a computer screen <laughs> exactly all right sarah thanks very much all right have a great evening 